So is your expectation dial turned all the way over to peg the needle? You know, if you'll expect from the Lord, He's always faithful to meet us where we're coming from as well as to absolutely give you as much light as you're able to handle. And so the ability of you and I to receive the light and to step into it is where we have to dig down into our heart and say, Lord, have your way. Submit ourselves to His will. Lord, reveal to me what you want revealed to me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. All prayers that we pray over ourselves, right? So tonight, we're going to have Pastor Jake Kale from Threshold Church, not far from here, a couple miles, actually. Come, come on up. And um, we are so blessed, so excited. I've known, I've known Pastor Jake now for... Um, maybe about a year, a little, somewhere around about a year. And I've been so blessed by the relationship that we've had just the opportunity to form in this last year. And there's several things about Pastor Jake that, that I really have learned to appreciate is he loves the Word and he's a stickler for the Word. He wants to be anchored in the Word. It's important to him. And when I come across someone like that, I'm like, well, this is someone that I can walk beside, right? And that we can, can, because we're in the same region, Threshold Church um, and our church, we're in the same place. And so we're on the same team, right? And uh, it's such a blessing to have you here tonight. So I'm going to pray with you. Father, I thank you so much for our brother, for Pastor Jake, that you brought him to us tonight. And Lord, I just ask that you absolutely give him every word you want him to speak. Give him the illustrations, the scriptures, all of it, Lord. That your anointing is as strong as it needs to be. And Lord, that you give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see, Lord, and the willingness of heart. We just present ourselves to you and say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everybody. It's great to be here. Great to be here. Thanks, Pastor Sid and Jennifer and other friends here. I know Mr. Jake up here, Miss Karen, Kelly, Kevin. I know this couple over here. Awesome. It's uh, just great to see this whole front row. I just like, there we go. Um, and, it's, and, and some other familiar faces. How many people have gone through the leadership training school or are in the leadership training school? Awesome. Look at that. Look at that. I've had the honor to teach there a couple times over the last few years, a few times, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real blessing to do that, so thanks for having me here, um, and I look forward to seeing what God wants to do. If you have your Bible with you, and I hope you do, turn to Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, I was praying a couple nights ago about, okay, what direction you know, to go with this, uh, with this message, and I really felt like the Lord impressed on my heart to share a message. I actually haven't um, preached on this exact topic, um, although I've kind of hit on some of the things around it in quite a while, uh, but I felt like the Lord impressed on my heart to do a message on restoring the ministry of Jesus. So that's a no small task that we have here tonight. Uh, restoring the ministry of Jesus. We're actually going to cover quite a bit of ground but I know you're used to getting into the Word with Pastor Sid. I know, you, uh, I know you're used to digging in. And so we're going to be in a couple different places here. We're going to start in Luke chapter 4. But yeah, I want to talk about the ministry of Jesus. What He did. What He commissioned us to do. How He wants us to continue on in His ministry. Uh, that He gave us the example for. So in Luke chapter 4, 
Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 16, this is actually toward the beginning of Christ's ministry. This is after he, had been, after he had been baptized by John the Baptist, after the Holy Spirit had come upon him, and then he had gone into the wilderness, and he had, uh, he had been tested and tempted for 40 days. He was fasting, and uh, then he comes back, and this is shortly after that. So this is right toward the beginning of his ministry. Uh, verse 16, it says, He came to Nazareth, which we know was his hometown, right? The town that he was, uh, that he grew up in, um, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. On the Sabbath day, he stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. Now he begins to read here. This is actually, he's quoting from Isaiah 61. If you know the book of Isaiah, the prophetic book, he's actually quoting from Isaiah 61. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery and uh, sorry, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Do you understand the significance of what just happened in this passage? I mean, this is the claim that Jesus made here. He literally takes out the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which is prophesying the coming of the Messiah. There's many prophecies of the coming Messiah throughout the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament, there's these prophecies about the one who had come. And there's these different descriptions of him. Sometimes he's called the prophet. Sometimes he's called the the anointed one. There's all these different descriptions. He's called a king. He's called uh, a servant. All these different things. But Jesus is standing up in the synagogue, reading from the prophet Isaiah, and then he's says this is me then he says this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today he's saying the words that Isaiah wrote down hundreds of years ago are actually speaking of me he's pointing to me that's what he's saying now if you read the rest of the verses here which we won't do I'll just paraphrase you'll see it didn't go over so well (laughs) didn't go over so well this is the first recorded sermon of Jesus in the book of Luke. There's other, you know, others, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, so, but, so we don't know the exact time frame, but there's the first recorded sermon of Jesus in the book of Luke, and he ends up, if you read the full text there, getting run out of the city, and they're about to stone him or throw him over a hill, and so that was, that, that was Jesus' first sermon. Right? Think about it. It did not go over so well. That was his first experience preaching, right? They don't teach you that in seminary, right? They don't, they don't, they don't prepare you for that, right? I remember my first sermon as lead pastor at Threshold. Now, I've preached many times before, but my first sermon series, uh, lead pastor at Threshold. Thank God I didn't get stoned or you know, thrown over a cliff or anything like that. But I, but I remember, I remember, I, I, I preached a message on the kingdom of God and this and that, and and um, you know, as a as a as a as a preacher, you just get used to you know different types of feedback, um, you know, constructive feedback, right? Um, you know, um, 
And, uh, you know, but one person said, man, you, you really just, you, you really emphasized the law too much in that passage. You really, you really elevated the law too much. You really were, you know, you, you're, it was like, almost like he was saying it was legalistic or, you know, too, too law-based. And I was like, oh, you know, okay, and whatever, you know. And that same sermon, somebody else said, you know, Jake, you really downplayed the law. You really, you really downgraded the law too much. You really were, you know, you didn't emphasize the importance of, so I'm like, you know what? I learned a valuable lesson that day. You can't please everybody. So I'm just going to try to please God. I'm just going to try to please God. I'm going to try to do what he says. You know, so, so that was a mild experience compared to Jesus' first experience preaching. He got run out. They were trying because, you know, he, he just, what he brought, they just couldn't handle it. They couldn't take it. They couldn't understand it. But I want you to see the description that he gave, especially in verse 18 and 19. If Jesus were to have a mission statement for his earthly ministry, this would be it. Now, we know his ultimate goal was to get to the cross, to die for the sins of humanity, to be raised. But we know that. But as far as his earthly ministry goes, what he would be doing in the three and a half or so years that he was going to be ministering, this gives you like his job description. It gives you like his mission statement. Because it says the purpose for why the anointing came upon him. It gives the purpose for what he was sent to do. Why God sent him. What his mission was. Right? So you notice it says, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. Notice the multifaceted nature of this. To preach the gospel, which means the good news, to the poor. That word poor, uh, especially when you read it in the Hebrew, in the book of Isaiah, it does not just mean financially lacking. It means those who have been oppressed, those who have been afflicted, those who have been downtrodden. That's what it means. So he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring good news to people that have been suppressed, oppressed, pushed down. I'm going to preach. I'm going to proclaim. But, but that's not it. He says, I'm going to heal. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Um, in the original language, it means to bind together the broken pieces of a person's soul. Because brokenhearted means a soul that has been shattered. A soul that has been fractured or crushed or bruised. He says, I'm going to bind it together. God has sent me. The Father has sent me to do that. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Freedom for those who are behind bars. Freedom for prisoners. Those who are bound by the enemy. Those who are in captivity. He wants to bring freedom, liberty. Recovery of the sight to the blind. Naturally and spiritually, I believe. Opening up people's eyes spiritually to see, but also physically to heal, bring physical healing. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. Proclaim the accept. So we see, we see this multifaceted ministry, his mission statement. And then I want to read um, another verse here, Matthew 4, verse 23, because this also gives like a description or a summary of the ministry of Jesus. Because if we're going to talk about restoring the ministry of Jesus, let's, let's define what is the ministry of Jesus. Right? What, is, what exactly was his ministry? What was he doing? Well, this is one of the places where it gives you like a couple sentence summary of what Jesus was doing on a regular basis. Matthew 4, verse 23. It says, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. He was teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He was healing 
All types of sickness, all types of disease. Verse 24, Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed or those who were under demonic influence, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. He healed them. There's one more summary statement I want to read, just from Mark 1.39. This also summarizes the ministry of Jesus. It's a little bit of a shorter version. Mark chapter 1, verse 39, it says, He was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. That, that was the summary of what Jesus was doing. Preaching in their synagogues, casting out demons. And so, how many people remember... WWJD. You guys remember that? WWJD. Anyone got a bracelet? Anyone, anyone still have one of those bracelets? Remember the bracelets? WWJD. What does that stand for? Who just shut? Right. What would Jesus do? Well, what would he do? What did he do? What did he do? Right? He preached. He healed. He taught. He cast out. The, right? I think sometimes, you know, we had those bracelets. It was kind of a fad maybe 15, 20 years ago. And it was, you know, just kind of a good reminder of people, okay, to follow in Christ's footsteps. But you know what I would find is that when people had that bracelet or when people talked about, you know, well, what would Jesus do? You know what they usually meant? is like, well, be a good person. Right? Well, you know, be nice. Right? Be, you know, be nice. Right? Or just, you know, do the right thing. Right? Make good choices. You know, what would Jesus do? Well, you know, when, when, when people talked about WWJD, they probably didn't think cast out demons. That probably didn't come to people's minds. Raise the dead. What would Jesus do? Well, he would raise people from the dead. What would Jesus do? He would preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. What would Jesus do? He would heal the sick. What would Jesus do? He would cast out demons. We know what Jesus would do. It's right in the scriptures. He would do the same thing he was doing when he walked the earth. Right? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. The question is not, what would Jesus do? That is not the question. The question is, why are we not doing what Jesus did? That is the actual question. Why are we not doing what Jesus did? did. So just a little bit of my background to kind of give some context of how, why this theme, this topic is so important to me. So, you know, I grew up in a, a, a Christian family. My parents got saved when I was about two years old. I was young and my parents had a real radical salvation experience. They were born again. It just changed their lives dramatically. It saved their marriage and really just, you know, changed the whole course of our family line, really. And um, so I grew up going to church. Um, but I grew up going to church that loved the teaching of scriptures. They loved the foundational doctrines. They loved, um, you know, being, being grounded in the word. But they, there was no demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. There was no belief in healing for today. There was no belief in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I grew up never seeing anything supernatural, never seeing anything miraculous, never seeing anybody get healed, never seeing a demon cast out. It just never happened, was never talked about. So when I started 
truly pursuing the Lord. So, you know, having grown up in a Christian family, I went to church, I, you know, heard the gospel message. I, I understood the gospel message intellectually. Like, yeah, I get it. You know, Jesus had to come. He had to die for our sins so we could be forgiven. He's the way to heaven. I, I understood that, but it didn't really change my life. It didn't make a real impact on my life until I was 19. It was May of 2002. 19 years ago. And I was 19 years old. I had a radical encounter with God. I was at a campus ministry retreat. I'd been living this double life. I'd been, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you know, I, I, I grew up in church. I believe in Jesus. But I was living like the world. I was getting uh, drunk. I was living the party lifestyle. I was living in sexual sin. I was just, I was not living a Christian life. I was living a double life but yet calling myself a Christian. I was going to Bible studies. I was at Johns Hopkins University. I played football there. And I would you know, go to these Thursday night Bible studies and I would just have these discussions. And then I would go and I would get drunk and I would go party and never saw anything wrong with it. I didn't even get convicted. I didn't even feel guilty. I was just living this sinful lifestyle. I just felt like this is what, just what everyone does. But I believe in Jesus. Yeah, you know, he's the son of God. He died for me. But I was not living a Christian life at all. End of my freshman year, I was invited to this campus ministry retreat, and it was an intensive study through the book of Mark, and long story short, the Holy Spirit began to really convict me of sin. I started to experience a true conviction for sin, and I started to, God drew me to a place of deep repentance, where I was really sorrow, there was sorrow for my sin, there was, there was repentance. I remember the last night I was talking to one of our, our leaders, and I just began to weep in repentance. I began to confess my sin to him, I began to pour out my heart, I began to weep, and I experienced God's love in such a tangible way, and in that encounter, I was radically set free from bondage to sin. I mean, strongholds were broken from my life. Things that had had me bound were broken that day, it had never been a problem ever since. For, those, for these last 19 years, it was a powerful encounter with God. It changed my life. And from that place, I began to be hungry for the Word. I began to be hungry for the Word. I decided I was going to read the whole Bible. I decided I was going to read the whole Bible in one year. But my problem was, when I started reading, I couldn't stop. <laughs> so my one-year plan literally turned into the three-week plan. <laughs> I read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation in one, I mean in uh, three weeks, less than one month. Just devouring it, just hungry for it. Just, I was so hungry for truth. I was so hungry for God. I, I was hearing his voice through his word. You know, this, this book is a living book. This is not just information on a page. This is not just historical text. This is the living word of God. And when the Holy Spirit is illuminating it, God's voice comes through. And so I was hungry. I was pursuing God. I was learning how to pray. And I would, I would read the Gospels, like the, some of the passages I just read. I would read the Gospels, and I would think to myself, interesting. Like, it seems like everywhere Jesus went, he healed people. I'm, and I was like, I've never seen anybody get healed. Then I was like, you know, it seems like everywhere Jesus went, he cast demons out of people. Like, it seemed like it was really normal for Jesus. Like, it was just kind of like happening everywhere he went. I've never seen a demon cast out. Is this still going on today? Is this, you know, what's, what's, what's missing here? Am I missing something? Is the church missing something? Is God still doing? I was just, I was, all I was hungry for was truth. I had no preconceived ideas about these different, you know, different doctrinal battles of who, you know, what God's doing. What he, I, didn't, I didn't understand that. I was just hungry for truth. And when I read the Gospels, 
I, I saw something. And not only was Jesus the one doing those things, but he also always empowered his followers to do the same things. Not only was Jesus healing and casting out demons and preaching the kingdom and doing all these works, he was training his followers to. He was training his people. He was training his disciples. Not just the twelve. He, he, he expanded it to a larger group of people. We see that in Luke 10. He sent a larger group of 70 out. He was, he was training. And then he commissioned the whole church to do to continue on his ministry. Let me suggest to you that the ministry of Jesus was never meant to stop. The ministry of Jesus was not meant to stop when he finished his earthly time, when he died, rose again, and ascended, it actually, that was just the beginning. You know what was supposed to happen after that? It was supposed to multiply. He was supposed to multiply. But as the church, we have so lowered the standard for various reasons. We've lowered the standard. Do you know that we are actually supposed to be like Jesus? Like, that's not just like a nice statement. That's not just like a bracelet you wear. That's not just like a theological dream. It's that we're actually supposed to be like Jesus. That's actually what the word Christian means. It means like little Christ, like those who are like Christ, those who are so close to Him, they resemble Him so much that they called them Christians. Like, we're actually supposed to be like Jesus. We've lowered the standard. Jesus referred to himself as a seed that would produce much fruit. In John 12, 24, he's talking about how he was about to go to the cross. How he was going to be, he, how he was going to die for, for the sins of the world. And he was kind of preparing the disciples for this. But he said, most assuredly, John 12, 24, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now he's speaking about himself. He is the grain of wheat. When you plant a seed, what do you get? When you plant an apple seed, what do you get? Apple tree. When you plant, you know, a grain of wheat, what do you get? You get wheat. You get the same, right? It, it, God established this in Genesis, right? That fruit, that trees produce after their own kind. After their own kind. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am a seed that's going to be planted in the ground that's going to produce much fruit just like myself. That's going to produce fruit after its own kind. So we're actually called to be like Jesus. Now, there's certain ways that we're not ever going to be like Jesus. There's certain things about him that are, that are unique. He is God himself. We are not, right? He's the, he's the eternal son of God, right? He's the one who was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. None of us can do that, right? There's certain aspects about, about Jesus that are completely unique to him. That there's, there's certain ways that we will not ever be like him. But there's certain ways that we are supposed to be like him. There's certain ways that we are supposed to be like Him. I believe we're called to be like Jesus in our intimacy with the Father and our relationship with God. The same type of relationship that He had with the Father, He made the way for us to have with the Father. He made, he made the way for us to know God in a personal way. He made the way for us to have uh, intimacy with God and walk with Him and, and live in true relationship with Him. 
I believe we're supposed to be like Jesus in our character, in our holiness, in our integrity. We're supposed to be like Jesus with the fruit of the Spirit growing in us. I also believe we're supposed to be like Jesus as it relates to supernatural works. Supernatural works. Do we have any idea what God has given us? Do we have any idea what Jesus paid the price for? To make us a new creation, the Bible says. Right? Anybody, he says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed. New, behold, all things are new. Right? We are born again. You can no longer use the excuse, well, I'm just a human being. I'm just human. I'm just... <laughs> you, you can no longer just say, well, you know, I'm just... You know, nobody's perfect. Yeah, I understand nobody's perfect. We get it. We get that. I'm not talking about you're going to be perfect. And, I, and I'm not talking about you're going to be like Jesus, like at the snap of a finger. This is a lifelong process of us being conformed into his image. But what I'm trying to say is we've lowered the goal. Where, where we don't even think it's possible what Jesus made the way for this. Through the cross. The sinful nature, he takes care of it through the cross. The cross makes provision for our sinful nature to be crucified. It makes provision for that flesh to be done away with so we can walk in newness of life. The cross makes provision. He's given us the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke about in Luke 4 that I read where he said the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That's the same Holy Spirit that lives in you and lives in me and that comes upon you and comes upon the same Holy Spirit. So what am I saying? We don't have any excuses. <laughs> He's made the way. He's made the way. I mean, John 14, 12. This, this passage challenges me so much. Most assuredly. Most, he's, he's saying, I tell you the truth. He's saying, this is most assuredly, this is a true statement. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. Notice he, he, notice he, he said, he who believes in me. He didn't say, if you're an apostle, you'll do the, the works I did. He didn't say, if you're a pastor. He didn't say, if you're an evangelist. He said, he who believes in me. He left it open to any believer, all believers. Just like in Mark 16, where he said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. He, he, he didn't say it was only for a small group of, of people, of specialized people. He said it's open to all who believe. Not only did he say we'll do the works he did, he said we'll do greater works. Let's just start with... His works. <laughs> Let's just start with that. So what did Jesus do? What is the ministry of Jesus? I've already kind of highlighted it. But let me just give you some, some points here. Uh, what did Jesus do? Well, I like, to, I like to just put four categories. Preaching, teaching, healing, deliverance. I like just to break it down. Like that, to me, 
Those are the main things that Jesus did on a regular basis. That's the ministry of Jesus. Sure, there were some other things he did, right? But when you look consistently through the Gospels, the summaries, like we read in uh, Matthew 4.23, other places where it summarizes his ministry, those are the four things he did mainly on a regular basis. Preaching, teaching, healing, deliverance. So let's let's, let's, let's break those down a little bit. Preaching. Preaching has to do with proclaiming. To preach is to proclaim, it is to declare, it's to speak out, it's to use our voice to speak, to declare. And he was bringing good news. He was bringing good news. What did Jesus preach? What did he preach? The kingdom of God. I saw, I heard a few people, right? What, see, if we're going to see the ministry of Jesus restored, we need to see the message of Jesus restored. See, because he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. You could summarize his message like this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In fact, that's exactly what it says in Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you know what at hand means? It means close enough to touch. Pastor Sid is right now at hand. He's within hand's reach. He's at hand. So what is he saying? He's saying repent. Repent means to turn. It's a change. It's a change of heart and mind that leads to a change of action and behavior. That's what repentance is. Right? It's a turning away from darkness, a turning away from sin, a turning away from the kingdom of darkness, and it's turning toward God. But, but notice that his message was about the kingdom at hand, being present. For so long, we've made the gospel about getting people to heaven. Jesus made the gospel about getting heaven to people. Did you hear that? See, the gospel of the kingdom is more than the gospel of salvation. It's broader. It includes salvation, absolutely. Forgiveness of our sins. I mean, it's fundamental. His self, uh, self, dying for our sins, paying the price through the blood of Jesus. For, but, but notice that he consistently preached and taught the kingdom of God. He, he preached a message saying, repent, turn from your sins, turn away, turn, turn toward God. What is he saying there? He's saying, there's a new king in town. And you now have an opportunity to switch out of one kingdom and come into another kingdom. See, because ever since the fall of mankind, the devil had been establishing his kingdom on earth. Did you know that? Ever since the fall of mankind. See, when God created the heavens and the earth, when he created the world, he set it up in a certain way. He put mankind in charge on planet earth. Do you know that? Genesis 1 and 2, you can see these. He says he... He created man in his image. He created male and female in his image. He created Adam. He created Eve. And he gave them dominion. That means authority. That means responsibility. It means authority, stewardship. So he said, I'm creating this universe. And there's this little part of the universe called planet Earth. And on planet Earth, I'm going to put you guys in charge of this little corner of the, of the, of the universe. It's like if there's, it's like a, a principal of a school might be over the whole school. 
but he's going to put a teacher in charge of this classroom. Okay, so this classroom is your territory, your domain. You're responsible for what happens in this classroom. Right, that's like what God did when he put Adam and Eve on the planet and he said, you are responsible to steward the earth. Take dominion over it, over the animals, over the fish, and it said over all the earth. So they were supposed to, in relationship with their creator, in relationship with the Father, they were supposed to walk together with God and, and have authority and dominion on the earth to see God's glory on the earth. That was God's original design. But something happened in chapter 3 of Genesis we know as the fall of man. The serpent came in and he began to deceive them. He began to trick them to eat from the wrong tree. And when they ate from the wrong tree, the devil usurped authority. See, here's the thing. There's no way that the devil could be a match for God. So what did he do? He went to the ones that God put in charge. He says, if I'm going to have any place on this planet, on this, you know, I'm going to go after the one who were created in God's. I can't, he, he can't touch God. There's nothing he can do to, to get, but I'm going to go after the ones he created. I'm going, to, I'm going to come alongside of the ones he gave them authority. If I can pull them, then I could begin to take that authority. So that's what he did. And ever since the fall of man, the devil had been establishing his kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, on the earth. So then when Jesus shows up, born of a virgin, right? God Himself who became flesh. The first person to walk on the planet since the fall that was not infected by the fall. The first, now He came as a man, fully God, fully man. So He came and He came as a human. Why? Because God originally gave authority to man. Man lost it, man had to get it back. There's many reasons why Jesus had to come as a person, as a human. And that's one of them. So here he is, the first person on the planet who was not infected with a sinful nature. He had a human nature as a man, but he, but he, he didn't have the sinful nature. Do you think the devil was nervous? Do you think the devil was nervous? Of course. Here's somebody that... As Jesus said, the devil has nothing in me. Nothing in. There's nothing that the enemy could latch on to. He tried, right? There was the temptations in the wilderness. He tried to tempt them, but Jesus overcame every time. Where Adam and Eve failed the tests, Jesus, he won the test. He, He was victorious. He passed the test. So when Jesus is saying there's a new kingdom... He's saying God's kingdom has now come to earth. God's kingdom has now come to earth. He came to displace the kingdom of darkness and to establish the kingdom of God on earth. That's why he taught us to pray in Matthew 6. He taught us to pray. He said, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught us to pray that for God's kingdom to come. For God's kingdom to be established. So the good news is that God's kingdom is at hand. And when you turn away from sin, then you're breaking your agreement with the kingdom of darkness. And you're coming into agreement with the kingdom of God. And you're putting your faith in the Lord. And you're transferred from one kingdom to another. Amen. 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 You become a new creation. You become a citizen of heaven. 
Each one of us who are believers in this room have dual citizenship. Do you know that? We're citizens of earth, the United States of America. I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen. And Paul said that we are, he said, our citizenship is in heaven. You are, we are citizens of heaven and earth simultaneously. Paul said you are seated with Christ in heavenly places while we walk on the earth. See? Because he preached a message about God's kingdom coming. Now, I'm really way off my notes and just kind of going on tangents here. I hope you guys are all right. Is that all right? So he was proclaiming this good news of the authority of God's kingdom. It caused the demons to manifest. Did you know that? You know, Mark chapter 1, Jesus goes into the synagogue. He's teaching. It doesn't give, say what he's teaching, but it says he taught them with authority. They recognized his authority. It was different. It was unique. There was substance to it. There was weight to it. It said there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And this man began to have a manifestation. The demon began to shout out and say, leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are. The demons knew who he was before the people did. See, because he was bringing the kingdom of God and it made the demons agitated. It made the kingdom of darkness tremble because they hadn't been challenged in this way. So he was preaching. He was teaching. What is teaching? The preaching and teaching are actually two different things. Um, just real quickly, teaching has to do with uh, expounding, explaining, equipping. So where preaching is proclaiming, teaching is explaining. So it's, it's grounding in the Word. It's explaining the Word. It's expounding on the Word. It's equipping in the Word. And Jesus would often teach. He would teach about life in the kingdom of God. He would teach about parables in the kingdom of God. He would teach about how to live as a follower of Him. How to walk in His ways, right? The Sermon on the Mount, right? How to pray. All these various teachings He did. And one of the things I loved about the way Jesus taught is that He always got to the Spirit of the law. The spirit of the matter. The heart of the matter. You'll notice oftentimes when Jesus was teaching, he'd say something like this. He would say, you've heard that it was written this, but I say to you this. What was he doing? Was he contradicting the law? No. He was explaining the spirit of the law. He was getting to the heart of the matter. Because the old covenant had to do with relating to God on the basis of law, but the new covenant... That, that God ultimately intended through Christ was for us to be changed on the inside. For us to be changed on the inside. He got to the heart. He got to the spirit. He got to the motive. So he was preaching. He was teaching. He was healing, right? We saw this many, we could see many scriptures. We read just a few. But he was healing. There were so many miraculous healings in his ministry. People would come from all over, different places, and they would Bring those who were sick, you know, paralyzed people, and even lepers would come with leprosy, skin disease, right? And through different ways, through a touch, through a spoken word, Jesus would heal. It's, it's, it's the restoration of people's bodies by the power of the Holy Spirit, and also the soul, restoration of people's souls, right? Healing the broken hearted. Now, I remember when. God began to lead me into praying for healing because, again, it wasn't part of my church upbringing. And so, to be quite honest, because I had grown up in a church that I never saw anything supernatural, 
my, my, my initial response to healing and people talking about healing was skepticism. Just being honest. When I would hear somebody tell a story or a testimony, oh yeah, you know, this person got healed. I was like, really? Like, are you, like, just being honest. I was skeptical. I thought, you know what? If, 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 real, if, if real miracles were happening today, they'd be on the news. I know better now. <laughs> <laughs> I know better now, but I was naive, you know, I was young. But, but I was skeptical, and I, I would hear people talk about miraculous things and supernatural stuff. I'm like, ah, because, but it was just because I'd never seen anything, and I, was, I, I had a very, um, you know, natural worldview, not, not, not a supernatural worldview. But you know what changed my mind? God's Word. God's Word changed my mind. See, so many times we filter God's Word through our church tradition. You know what we have to do instead? Filter our church tradition through God's Word. And when I find something in God's Word that contradicts my church tradition, I have a choice to make. Either I can change or I can, ch- or I can lower God's standard. It's kind of like, like I remember... First time I experienced a real spirit-filled worship environment. Because the environment I grew up in, you know, no one was raising their hands. Definitely not. Definitely no one was dancing. People were barely singing for crying out loud. I mean, it was like... So I grew up in an environment where you didn't, there was no expressive worship. There was no hands up or kneeling or, or joy. None, none of that happened. And so I remember, you know, being at Johns Hopkins, a couple different campus ministers and a couple churches got together and they brought in Jason Upton. You guys know who Jason Upton is? This was like when he was first starting to become more known, I believe. And this is like, you know, probably, I don't know how many years ago, 17 years ago, 16 years ago. So, so he, they brought in Jason Upton and I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this and, whoo, man, what, what planet did I go to? <laughs> you know, people are hands up and, and they're dancing and they're and they're and that was the that was the first time I lifted my hands in worship. Woo. I, I this freedom I just lifted my I just li- lifted my hands in worship. Now I love to lift my hands in worship. But you know what the truth is? Expressive worship is what the Bible teaches. Just we read the Psalms, right? We read the Psalms. We read the, well, the, the New Testament. We read the Old Testament. Worship is meant to be expressive. And it doesn't mean you always have to do outward things. Sometimes we're being still. Sometimes we're being quiet before God. But it also says, shout out to the Lord with the voice of triumph. It also says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. It says, praise the Lord with dancing. Praise the Lord with the symbols, right? All, the, all these different expressions. And so I bumped into something that was different than my tradition, but I had to, I had to change. I had to change. See, God doesn't adapt to our culture. We adapt to His. I mean, he, how much more could have He already done for us? I mean, He came as a man to this earth. I mean, He, he adapted to our culture. He, he did everything He could. But as far as obeying Him and following Him, we yield to His ways and His culture and His Word. And so when it came to healing... Even though I had no belief in it and I was skeptical about it, I just I couldn't get past it in the scriptures. 
I couldn't get past the Gospels where Jesus, you know, I don't see any examples where Jesus told somebody no when they asked him for healing. I couldn't find any. I saw the promises even in the Old Testament. Even in the law, the promises for a covenant of healing and and the Psalms, you know, he forgives my sins, he heals my diseases. I saw the the promises in, you know, the book of James, anoint with oil, pray the prayer of faith. I couldn't, man, everything for me in the scripture was pointing to the fact that healing should be happening. That healing should be normal. And so my mind was being renewed by the word of God. And then I came across some, some books, some of the old timers, you know, like Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> He'll mess with you. <clears throat> you know, John G. Lake. But even before that, people like Andrew Murray or others, you know, they, they had this belief in divine healing. And I was like, man, these are like, Andrew Murray, he's a solid person. You know, he's, as solid as, he's, he's as solid as you can get. Because in my mind, you know, healing, you know, it was flaky. And, you know, I, I just had all these mis- misconceptions. So I came to a point where I had to put a stake in the ground. And I had to say, I believe that God heals today. I believe healing's meant to be normal. I believe that we're supposed to be seeing healing. And I'm going to step out and believe for healing. And even if I don't ever see it happen, I'm going to still, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to step out. I'm going to... So, so here, here I was. I was a, probably a junior in college now. This is probably a year or two after, you know, my conversion. And, and I'm helping to lead this, our campus ministry. We had a Bible study and Christian athlete group. And so I just started praying. You know, anytime somebody needed prayer or had a problem in their body or was sick, I was like, well, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. And so I started praying for people. I got this little bottle of anointing oil and I said, I'm going to anoint with oil. I'm going to pray. And so I started praying for people. And, you know, at first, guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I was kind of getting used to nothing happening, to be honest. I was kind of like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, but, but I was like, but I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm going to stand on what God says. I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it because, of, because it's out of obedience to God's word. So I'll never forget the first healing that happened. There was a guy that came to our group, our, our Bible study. He was on the wrestling team. He came on crutches. He had chipped a bone in his shin. He had done something in his shin I don't think it was fully broken, but it was like chipped and he had to be on crutches for the next like, I don't know how many weeks, several weeks. And so he was there and he was telling us what happened and he said, hey, would you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you. So at the end of the service or the end of the, the, the Bible study, you know, I, I pull him aside and we look at the, you know, we look at the Bible, look at some scriptures. I take out my anointing oil, you know, I pray for him and lay hands and, you know, I didn't feel one thing. I didn't feel like anything. I didn't feel any special faith or any power anointing and and as far as I knew, nothing happened. I, I, you know, I just, I prayed and then, you know, I went and I left and I couldn't tell if anything happened. But just probably 10 or 15 minutes later, he called me. He was like, Jake, guess what? I'm healed. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was so used to not seeing healings. I was like, <laughs> I was surprised. He was like, I just walked all the way home. No crutches. The pain's completely gone. I'm completely healed. He never... Never had to use the crutches again. He was, it was, he was healed. I remember getting, just went down on my knees and I said, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And ever since that time, you know, I've seen many healings, many different types of healings. I've seen broken bones healed. I've seen stomachs healed, lungs healed, 
legs grow out. I've seen, you know, various types of healings. Now, I still many times pray and I don't see a healing, right? But I long for the day, I long for the day when we are surprised when the healing doesn't come. Instead of being surprised when it does come. You know, I was like surprised that first time. I was like, wait, what? Like, it actually happened? Like, wait, it worked? Like, I long for the day when I'm surprised when the healing doesn't happen instantly. I'm like, oh, wait, what's wrong here? Wait, this, let's do this again, right? So healing, I, I believe, is meant to be normal. Here's the thing. We cannot lower God's standard to our level of experience. We can't lower God's standard, God's promises, God's word to our level of experience. Instead, we have to raise our experience to God's standard, to the standard of God's word. So if I see, if I, if I see Jesus, my example, healing people everywhere he went, and him saying, you're going to do the same thing, then he's my example. And so if I'm not seeing that, rather than coming up with all these theological excuses and reasons and, and all these different things that really probably are just unbelief or, or, or disappointment just disguised as wisdom, or rather than doing that, I'm going to say, you know what? I don't know why I'm not seeing as many healings as Jesus, but I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep contending. I'm going to keep praying until my level of experience gets higher and higher and higher. I'm going, to, I'm going to keep pushing through. So he was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing. By the way, how, how long am I supposed to preach here, Brother Sid? Am I? <laughs> you guys all right here? It's dark, okay. <laughs> Come on, there we go, there we go, there we go. He was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing, and then he was casting out demons, deliverance. Now, you really want to freak people out and start talking about demons. What is deliverance? Well, deliverance is essentially, it means casting out demons. Or freeing people from the influence of evil spirits. And again, although this might not be normal in Western church culture, it was completely normal for Jesus. Completely normal for Jesus. You know, I read uh, Mark 1.39 earlier. It says he was preaching in their synagogues throughout Galilee and casting out demons. I like to say it like this. It was as common for Jesus to cast out a demon as it was for him to preach a sermon. I mean, it was just as common. It was just as normal. So again, in my journey, I'm seeing this and I'm, I have no understanding of it. I have no grid for this concept of casting out demons. I believe that demons must be real because they're in the Bible. And so, um, yeah, they must be real. But I have all these misconceptions. See, this topic, there's so much confusion on this topic. There's so much fear. There's so much stigma. Misunderstanding. You know, Scripture says my people perish for lack of knowledge. I believe it's very true in this area of spiritual warfare and, and, and deliverance and getting free from demonic influence. So I was in this season of, you know, wrestling through again way back in, in college and God began to specifically call me into deliverance. This is one of the areas that 
out of all the facets of Christ's ministry, it's the one that the Lord has led me more specifically into, and I, I see most consistently. I see this happen more consistently than any other miracle or any other you know, sign is pe- people getting delivered from evil spirits. People getting delivered from demons. So I was in this, you know, again, I was hungering and I was, and God began to draw me into this ministry. He, he gave me a dream. <clears throat> God can speak through dreams, you know that? Now, not every dream is from God, but God can speak through dreams. And I remember when I was in this time of asking God, God, how come I've never seen a healing? How come I've never seen a demon cast out? Well, that very night, that, on, that, on a very night while I was just been wrestling through those questions, I had a vivid dream. A vivid dream. And in this dream, I was eating at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Someone say Shady Maple. <laughs> I was eating at an all-you-can-eat buffet. And I was hungry, and so I got up to get more food. As I got up from my seat and I began walking to the buffet, out of the corner of my eye, I see a, a person there had a very dark appearance and a kind of an evil look in his eyes. And I just kind of noticed him, and I, I made my way to the buffet. I got my food. I went back to my table. I sat down, and as I'm sitting there beginning to eat, this man begins to walk toward me. He begins to take steps in my direction. Again, this is all in this dream. And as he's walking toward me, I, I stood up. I stood up, he's standing up, and I instantly knew he had an evil spirit. Just I just had a discernment. I knew that he had a demon. And right as I had that knowing, that discerning, I felt this well of power like in my belly, just like well up, this well of power just kind of come up, and this boldness come over me, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, come out of him. And all of a sudden, this man started to like heave, like, like kind of like manifest and like heave and like something left from out of his mouth. The demon came out of him. And all of a sudden his countenance changed and he was filled with joy. And he came over and was like, almost like, give me a hug. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I, and I woke up from this dream. And my immediate thought was, avoid all you can eat buffets. Stay away. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't go to the buffet. <laughs> my, my, honest, my honest response, there were two things. That my honest response was, one, I knew this dream was from God. Two, I was afraid to, to meet this guy. Not, not joking. I literally, the next week, throughout the next couple of days, I was like walking around wondering, am I going to meet this person? Like, am I going to see this person in real life? I could never imagine myself casting out demons. I could never see myself doing this. I had no faith for it. I, know, I knew Jesus you know, did it. I knew in theory, oh yeah, in theory, his name's above all names, but myself actually doing this, I was afraid of it. But it was a prophetic dream that was symbolizing God's calling on my, on my life to move into this area of ministry. And, and the, the buffet represented the feast of God's word and the teaching I was going to receive that was going to begin to equip me, that was going to begin to teach me. And then God was going to begin to give me an anointing and a discernment and the power of his spirit to begin to see people set free. And for the last 16 years, I've seen people delivered from demons every, everywhere I go. In fact, tonight we're going to have a time of ministry for deliverance. We're actually, we're going to have a time of corporate ministry for deliverance. I believe people in the room are going to be set free tonight of things. See, because we have so many misunderstandings about this topic. See, we, we, we have to come to grips with the reality that 
Evil spirits are real. They exist. We live in a spiritual battle. There's a physical world. There's a spiritual world. There's interaction between the two. And here's what I begin to see is that not only are demons real and demonic influence is real, but it's actually common. It's actually not uncommon for people to need deliverance. See, because I had this idea that if a person had a demon and a person needed deliverance, that it would be this crazy extreme situation that it would only happen in the, you know, dark corners of the world in some country far away, right? I mean, Lancaster County, a demon? You know what I found? There's just as many demons in Lancaster County as anywhere else. They just hide better. They just hide better. It's actually common, see? Because not every situation is a crazy extreme situation. I mean, we see in the Gospels, sometimes Jesus, you know, ministered to the man in the synagogue. There was one demon. Mary Magdalene had seven demons. The man with the legion had thousands. That was an extreme situation. That is rare. Mark 5, the guy with the legion of demons, that's rare. Person has a couple demons, not rare at all. See, and it, it, it's also a misunderstanding um, that people think that Christians can't need deliverance. Yeah, Christians very much need deliverance. They can need deliverance from evil spirits. It doesn't mean they're possessed. It doesn't mean, because possessed means you're owned. But there can be areas of your life, even as a believer, where the enemy has gotten a foothold, a stronghold, areas of demonic influence, because doors have been opened maybe in the past. Maybe, maybe you've gone through abuse and trauma, and the enemy now is oppressing you because of those experiences. Maybe there were sinful areas of unrepentant sin for a while, and, and the enemy slipped in with that. Maybe, maybe in the past you had dabbled into witchcraft. You know, you, you, you said, well, I'm going to do a seance, or I'm going to play with a Ouija board, or I'm going to go call a psychic hotline. All these things that God says don't do. And, and, and that can open a door to to, to the enemy. This is different things that can open the door. So it doesn't mean you're an evil person if you need deliverance. It's just it's part of the sanctification process. It's part of the cle- a cleansing and healing and, and restoring. What I found with this ministry is that it is so much more relevant than we realize. So much more relevant. You know, we try all these ways to be relevant. Don't get me going, Pastor Sid. <laughs> I know I'm preaching to the choir here because, we, we, you know, when I say we, I don't mean us here, but I mean just mean in general, you know, the church, we, we think that to be relevant, you know, we've got to have light shows or, you know, crazy, you know, things and all this, you know, we have to make it look like a club or something. See? It's, the church tried so hard to be relevant, they became powerless. And a powerless church will never truly be relevant. See, I want to be relevant to the oppressed. I want to be relevant to the law. I want to be relevant to the one that needs freedom, that needs deliverance, that needs healing. I want to be able to set them free by the name of Jesus. And I found that this area is so much more relevant than we realized. Because so many areas of our lives can be influenced by evil spirits. So our, our, our mental and emotional well-being, our spiritual growth can be, can be hindered by the enemy, by demonic influence. Our physical health can be impacted by demonic influence. The Bible calls it a spirit of infirmity in Luke 13. The evil spirits can cause physical affliction. Our relationships, all these areas can be impacted. I've seen 
so many examples. I've seen people delivered from pornography when an unclean spirit was cast out. They'd had years and years and years of pornography addiction. They could not get free of it. They were up and down, up and down, up and down. And then in one encounter with God, an unclean spirit was cast out of them and they then walked in freedom. See, they were in bondage. Now, they have to be repentant. You have to be repentant. It doesn't mean you can just say, well, the devil made me do it. No, you have to have a true repentance and a heart that's turning. And not every problem is caused by a demon. We still have to overcome the flesh and walk in the spirit and all those things. But in some people's situations, the missing link is deliverance. I just had a testimony. I was in, I was in Washington State uh, a month or so ago doing a deliverance weekend with a church outside of Seattle. And I uh, just talked to the pastor a couple days ago, and they got more testimonies that have come in. There was a guy that had been an alcoholic for years that was delivered from alcoholism in the corporate ministry time. Addiction to alcohol was broken from his life. He was delivered from it. People that were delivered from depression. People that were delivered from past trauma. I've seen people delivered from addictions, from eating disorders, from suicidal thoughts, tormenting thoughts, depression, anxiety, fear. I can, you know, all these things. We've seen people set free. God's going to bring freedom tonight. God's going to bring freedom in this place tonight. I'm going to do my best to try to move quick here so we can get to some ministry. But I, want to, I do just want to kind of move into just a little bit of teaching on, okay, well, how? Right? So what is the ministry of Jesus? Right? Preaching, teaching, healing, deliverance, right? That's great, but how do we do it? How do we begin to take steps? Well, how did Jesus do it, right? What, what was his model? See, it's so important for us to understand that Jesus functioned on the earth as a man. He did his miracles. Now, listen very clearly. Jesus is God. Jesus never stopped being God. Right? But there, there's a mystery here where he is fully God, fully man. But as you, when you read the scriptures, and when, you, and when you look at various scriptures, I'm not going to, for time's sake, I can't get into all of it, but, but you can see that Jesus, see, I used to think, well, of course Jesus could do this because he's God. Of course Jesus could heal the sick. Of course he could walk on water. Of course he's God. So, you know, that doesn't leave us any hope, does it? Because last I checked, I'm not God. But Jesus said, we're going to do it too. And the disciples did it. They weren't God. Peter did it. Philip the evangelist did it. He wasn't even an apostle. Peter walked on water for a little bit. But he did. But he did. See, because we have this idea that, of course, Jesus could heal everybody because he's God. Let me tell you something. Jesus functioned on earth as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why do you think he needed the Holy Spirit to come upon him? Right? You know, it says in Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. It was because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon him. That's why he could be tempted. That's why he could get hungry. Because he was functioning as a man, right? He, he chose, out of his own choice, he limited himself to be a human. So while he was walking this earth, he wasn't exercising his divinity. 
Even though he was still God, he wasn't exercising his divinity. He was doing it as a man because he was showing us how to do it. So how did Jesus operate? Well, he showed us the way. And I'm just going to give a couple quick points. I'm going to try to go through this real quick, and we're going to go into some ministry. Um, the first thing is intimacy with the Father, okay? Jesus functioned out of relationship with God. That was the foundation of everything he did. You remember in John's Gospel, he would say things like, I, can, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. We see examples of Jesus getting away to pray often in the Scriptures. Mark 1, an example, early in the morning he got away and he went to pray. Luke chapter 5 said he often withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Why? Because he was getting alone to spend time with the Father. He was getting alone to pray. He was being with the Father. He was having Prayer, intercession, relationship, intimacy with God. He was walking in that place. True ministry flows out of intimacy with God. All right, so that's, if we want to grow in the ministry of Jesus, we have to grow in our intimacy with God. We have to grow in the secret place. We have to grow in devotion to Him. We have to grow in getting to know Him because we only can become more like Him as we spend time with Him. As we spend time with Him, we're transformed into His image from glory to glory. As we behold His face as in a mirror, it says. We behold His glory as in a mirror. We are transformed from glory to glory. As we spend time with the Father, as we spend time with Jesus, that's how we can grow and begin to step more into this. Another key that, that we see in the ministry of Jesus was compassion. You know, it's easy to get excited about miracles, right? It's easy to say, yeah, I want to see miracles. I want to, who, who doesn't want to see healings, right? Who, who wouldn't want to see more healings or miracles, right? But it's not just about wanting to see that. It's why. What's our motive? See, Jesus was motivated by love. Jesus was actually moved with compassion. It says over and over in the Gospels, it's, it would say Jesus moved with compassion. Like when he healed the leper, the man with leprosy came and he said, Jesus moved with compassion, reached out his hand and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Or Jesus saw the multitudes and it said he was moved with compassion because they were like a sheep, they were like sheep having no shepherd. So he taught them. Jesus saw the, the woman, the widow whose son had died and he said he was moved with compassion. So if we want to step into the ministry of Jesus. Let's ask for the heart of God. Let's ask for God's love to motivate us. Let's ask for God's love to be the driving force, the foundation that we're rooted and grounded in His love. Because then we can have that same heartbeat. Intimacy, compassion, but then also authority. Remember I said that Jesus, He said He taught with authority. But His whole ministry functioned with authority. He exercised dominion over Satan, over sin, over temptation, over sickness, over demons, over death. He was exercising authority. Do you notice that none of the times that Jesus healed people in the Gospels were done through intercessory prayer or supplication type prayer? You know what I mean by that? Like, he didn't, he didn't say, Father God, I ask you to heal this leper. No, he looked at the leper and said, be cleansed. That's authority. When the, when, the, when the man was paralyzed and was brought to him, he said, take up your bed and walk. See, he used commands. 
He used commands. But you know what's interesting? Is that the early church did it the same way. And why wouldn't they? They were following his example. They were continuing on his ministry. They just, they did it in the name of Jesus, not in their own authority, right? What did Peter do in Acts 3 when he saw the, the guy begging? He said, he said, silver and gold, I don't have. What I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He made a command. You cannot find any examples in the book of Acts of them, of, of them healing through petitions. You'll see, because they were using authority. See, we have to be grounded in our authority through the Word of God, faith in God's Word, right? Jesus said if you have faith, like a, like a small little seed, like a mustard seed, if you have faith and do not doubt, you'll say to this mountain, be removed from here, be cast into the sea, and it will obey you. He's talking about faith, exercising faith, and using authority. Same with casting out demons. Using authority. Jesus has given every believer authority over demons. That's why you don't have to be afraid of demons. You don't have to be afraid of evil spirits. Because Jesus has given us that authority. And then the last one I'll say here is power, which comes from the Holy Spirit's anointing. I already, you know, I quoted Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? He's anointed me. There was an anointing of God's Spirit I quoted earlier Acts 10.38, right? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power. And I think as believers, we make a mistake when we stop pursuing for more of the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we make a mistake when we stop asking to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I think, you know, we make the mistake... It's a very easy mistake to make because he already lives inside of us. If you're a believer in Christ, the moment you were born again, the Holy Spirit came to indwell you. So we think, well, I already have the Holy Spirit. Well, you're, you're, it's true, you do. So why am I praying for more? My answer's simple. My shadow's not healing people yet. Peter's shadow is literally healing people. Paul's handkerchiefs were casting out demons. It's in the book of Acts. They took the aprons, the handkerchiefs. They brought them to the sick. They were healed. Demons left people. There is more. There is more. It's healthy to live with a hunger for more. It doesn't diminish what God's already given you. It doesn't diminish what God's already done. We can steward well what God's given us while we can contend and pursue for more. Jesus said to ask, to seek, to knock. Because there's a difference in the Scripture between being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells you at salvation, but then He comes upon us. There's baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you'll see the pattern in the book of Acts. They were filled with the Holy Spirit on more than one occasion, multiple times. So I believe it's good, it's healthy to have a hunger for more and to say, God, pour out Your Spirit upon me afresh. I know Your Holy Spirit already lives in me. I know You've given me, but Lord, I know there's more. Pour out your spirit upon me afresh, God. Release your gifts. Release the gifts of your spirit. Release the anointing of your spirit. Because I, I know there's more. John, if you want to come up, or the worship team, whoever's going to be coming, coming up, I don't know. There is more. There's more. There's more. 
Now, I said this toward the beginning, but becoming like Jesus, it's not an overnight snap of the finger thing. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh man, this is kind of daunting. This is kind of a, a high bar. It's kind of, I have a long way to go. Me too. <laughs> long way to go. It's not about beating yourself up thinking, oh man, I'm so far away. No, it's about just taking the next step in your walk with God. It's about not settling for where you're at. See, we have a promised land in Christ. We have an inheritance in Christ. And God has given it to us already. He's paid the price for it. But just like the children of Israel had to go get it, right? we cooperate with God in the process of conforming into the image of Christ. It's, it's, it's through the course of time. It's through the process of time. But let's not settle for where we're at right now. Let's contend to see the ministry of Jesus fully restored, functioning on earth. Lancaster County needs the ministry of Jesus. Lancaster County needs the preaching of the kingdom of God, the teaching of God's word, the healing of the sick. I tell you what, we need to see the healing ministry more than ever. We need to see God stretch out his hand. We need to see God move. I tell you what, we need to see deliverance get back to the forefront. We need to see there's a generation waiting for us to pick up the mantle that Jesus has left us and to step into it. There's a generation waiting to be set free. I want us to stand to our feet. Can we just begin to pray for a minute? Can we just begin to ask for the Holy Spirit's presence and power just to move through this place, to fall in this place? Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray out. Begin to pray out. Begin to lift up your voice. You can just pray in the Spirit. Pray in English. Pray in whatever language you're going to pray in. Just pray out. Father, I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit, God, to fall in this room, God. Father, I ask for your anointing, your power, your manifest presence, God, to move in this place. Lord Jesus, that you would walk among us, that you would move among us, God, that we would see your ministry restored in this hour, God, what you want to do, Father. Thank you, God. Lord, I ask right now that you would draw each one of us here, God, into deeper places of intimacy with you, Lord. God, to know you more, God. God, to know you more. Just begin to lift up your hunger to God, that you just want to know him. God, I want to know you, God. I want to know you, God. I want to walk with you, God. Lord, I want to have a face-to-face -face relationship with you, God. I want communion with the Holy Spirit, God. Begin to ask him to give you his heart. God, I want that compassion. God, fill me with the compassion, God. Lord, fill me with your love, God. Fill my heart with your heart, God. I want to be moved with compassion. I want to be motivated by your love, God. Lord, I pray right now in this place for encounters with you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray for a revelation of kingdom authority, of your authority, the authority of your name, Jesus, the authority of your kingdom, Lord. Let me walk in faith, God. Let me walk, Father. Take the authority over the enemy. Take the authority, God, over sickness and disease, Father, because you've, pay, you've paid the price, Jesus. You've made the way. 
God, I ask for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's begin to ask for a fresh baptism. God, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit, God. God, I ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fall in this room, God. Lord, let the fire of the Holy Spirit move, Lord, right now. Let the power of the Holy Spirit, God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest upon each one, God. Lord, that you would anoint us to continue the ministry of Jesus. You would anoint us, God, to preach good news. You would anoint us to heal the broken heart, Lord, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, God. Lord, release the power of the Spirit of God. Let it fall in this place right now. I want us just to wait on the Lord for a minute. And I just want us to wait real quietly. If we could just have the music even just be silent just for a minute here. Or we'll have you come back in a minute. But I just feel like we're supposed to just to wait on the Lord. Let's just ask for the Holy Spirit's power just to move upon us. God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come, Lord. Jesus, I pray for commissionings tonight. Jesus, I pray that you would move through this room. You'd walk through this room. That you yourself would be laying hands upon people to impart, to commission, to empower right now in the name of Jesus. God, let your Holy Spirit come in this place and empower your people. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit come. God, I pray even for the gifts of your Spirit, God, to be just released, to be stirred up, Lord, that that we'd fan into flame the gifts of God. God, I pray for gifts of healings, Lord. God, we need to see your healing touch. We need to see you stretch out your hand and heal. God, we just receive right now your Spirit in a fresh way. We receive, God, the power of your Spirit. Thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, let your light shine. Let your presence fill this place. Fill our hearts. Thank you, Father. We're going to... We're going to move into just a time of ministry for deliverance. And I know I only taught on that for just a couple minutes, but I have faith for God to move. His kingdom is at hand in this place. I believe there's people here in this room that are going to get set free from areas of bondage or oppression or or torment that have been just nagging at you. It doesn't mean you're possessed or it doesn't mean you're an evil person. The enemy has been oppressing or afflicting or keeping you enslaved to different things. And God wants to set you free today in Jesus' name. So God, I ask that you'd release the anointing of the Holy Spirit that sets captives free today. God, I pray a release of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that heals broken hearts, God. Lord, I thank you even tonight that you're going to bring healing to people's hearts and minds where there's been past abuse, God, and traumatic experiences, Lord. You're going to bring healing, Father. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm going to lead us through a prayer for deliverance. You You can begin to play in the background again just... Just gently. I'm going to lead us through a prayer of deliverance. And I like to use James 4 verse 7 as a kind of a framework. James 4 verse 7, it says, Therefore submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Those are really two parts of his prayer for deliverance. The first part is just yielding ourselves to God. 
saying, God, I belong to you. God, I'm submitted to you. Jesus, you are completely Lord of my life. That means if there's areas that we need to repent in, we come in repentance. If there's areas of sin that we've been living in or deception, we come into the light, we confess sin, we repent of sin, we turn from it. That means if there's people we need to forgive, we release them to God, we forgive. That's part of us submitting ourselves to God is that we are forgiving people that have sinned against us and hurt us. It doesn't minimize what they did. It doesn't mean it was okay. It doesn't mean you have to allow yourself to get abused, but it means you can release them to God. You can forgive and release. It means we renounce anything from the kingdom of darkness. See, that's, that's what we're going to do. And then, that's, that, then, that, then we resist the devil. That means we take authority over anything from the kingdom of darkness. Any unclean spirits, any demonic influence, we, we command it to go in the name of Jesus. I just see the Holy Spirit touching people in the room. And even right now, even some people are starting to get free of certain things. I see the Lord beginning to heal hearts. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. So what I want to do is I'm going to lead us through this prayer of deliverance. We're going to do it all together. We're going to all pray through it together. We're going to do it out loud. We're going to do it with authority. We're going to do it with faith. And once we go through different parts, I'm going to give you room to fill in the blanks in certain areas. Like if there's areas of repentance or forgiveness, I'm going to let you do that for yourself while they play. And then once we finish, I'm going to pray over this whole congregation. People are getting set free tonight in Jesus' name. I'm telling you right now. Let's pray this out together, okay? Heavenly Father, I come into your holy presence. By the precious blood of Jesus, I worship and I honor you as the one true living God. And I submit myself to you with Jesus as my Lord. I thank you for your grace to me. And I ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon me and bring deliverance to me in the name of Jesus. Now we're just going to affirm our faith in Christ. We're just going to make some basic declarations of affirming our faith in Christ right now. Just say this out. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you're the only way to the Father. I believe that you came in the flesh that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead. I thank you for your finished work that you came to set me free from the power of sin and to deliver me from the kingdom of darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're going to walk through some areas of just submitting to God. So say this after me. Say, I submit to you, God. And take an active stand against Satan and every one of his demons. I totally renounce and repent of all sin. I come into the light confessing my sin to you and holding nothing back. Specifically, I confess 
Now I'm going to give you some time here as they play in the background. If there's areas that you need to repent in, you need to confess to the Lord. Just begin to confess sin to God. If there's areas of, of sin that have been holding on in your life, God, we turn away, Lord. We turn away. Just begin to speak those things out. Just begin to confess. Just come into the light. Just release those things to God. Spirit, just convict us, God, of areas we need just to turn over to you, God. We need to turn in our hearts, God. Help us to walk in genuine repentance, God, that heart change, that change on the inside, God. Not just trying to change our behavior, Lord, but change our hearts, God. Change our hearts, God. Just ask God to give you a new heart. Ask God to give you a new heart. Ask Him to put His Spirit within you. Ask Him to change you on the inside. Not just about your behavior, not just about trying to do it on your own willpower, but by His grace. Thank you, Father change my heart. God, I turn away from sin. God, I turn away from all darkness. I turn away, Lord. I turn to you, Father. Thank you, God. Now, let's, let's say this out. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that because of your blood, I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I am made righteous as a child of God. Just begin to thank Him. Just begin to thank Him. Just begin to thank Him. We thank You, Father. Thank You, God. Thank You, God. Thank You for the blood, Jesus. Thank You that Your blood cleanses, God. Thank You for forgiving me, Lord. Thank You for washing me white as snow. Thank You for lifting that burden of sin, God. Lifting that debt I could not pay, God. Thank You. It's by Your grace, God. It's by Your blood, Jesus. Thank You, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Now, we're going to walk through some forgiveness, just releasing people to the Lord, just between you and God, just forgiving people that might have sinned against us or hurt us, some of us even in pretty painful ways, but we're going to release it to God right now, okay? This is going to be so important for some people here. Let's say this out. Say, Lord Jesus, because you have forgiven me, I choose to freely forgive anyone who has ever sinned against me or hurt me in any way. I lay aside all bitterness. I lay aside all resentment. I lay aside all hatred. And I choose to forgive and release them to you. Specifically, I forgive I'm just going to give you a minute as they're playing in the background. Just begin to say the names of those ones that you just need to release to God. Jesus, I forgive and say their names. Just say their names. It's important just to do it out loud. You don't have to yell it so the whole world can hear it, but just do it out loud, loud enough that you can hear it. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Just take the next minute or so. Release that forgiveness.
Thank you, Father. We choose to forgive, Jesus. We follow your example, Jesus. When you said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We just release them to you, God. God, I ask you to release healing in the hearts of people right now, Lord, where there's been damage done. God, through betrayal, through trauma, through abuse, God, through... God, I ask for the healing anointing to move in this place right now, healing people, healing bodies, God, healing souls. I believe the Lord's touching souls even right now. I just feel His presence. God, I release the oil of the Holy Spirit to bring wholeness. I just speak to the hearts of people. I speak to the minds. I say, be made whole in Jesus' name. Any areas of brokenness in the soul where there's been shattering, Lord, be made whole in the name of Jesus. Be restored. I thank you, God. Your word says you restore my soul. You restore my soul. I thank you for healing, Lord. One more area I want to pray through, and that's just to renounce anything from the kingdom of darkness, from the occult. If there's, if you've ever dabbled in spiritual things that you shouldn't have, spiritual things like, like I mentioned, the Ouija board or fortune telling or psychics or palm readings, any type of spiritism, seances, all these kind of things. That's a whole other message, but the Holy Spirit will lead you. Let's just let's let's make a clean break just to cut that off, to renounce those things. And if there's anything specific to fill in, I'll give you time to fill it in, okay? Let's say this. I renounce the kingdom of darkness in all of its works. I renounce everything from the occult or the new age or false religion or false teaching. And I renounce every spirit connected to the kingdom of darkness. Specifically, I renounce. Now fill in those blanks. If you have anything specific, you you may or may not, but if you have anything specific to fill in, just speak it out. Just say, Jesus, I renounce witchcraft. I renounce astrology or palm reading. Just name those things out. Thank you, Jesus. We make a clean break. We make a clean break. God, let your Holy Spirit's power increase in this place, God. God, I pray that you would just expose, Lord, every demonic influence. I pray to expose and and remove, God, every power of darkness, God, in Jesus' name. I believe some of you are are actually feeling things happening in you. Some of you are feeling some stuff like moving in you or some um, uncomfort. You might be hearing things in your mind. You might be experiencing some beginning stages of demonic manifestations. Um, if that's happening to you, just be at peace. Just know that's an indication that you're about to be set free. The devil's getting nervous. He's about to be evicted and expelled. So don't, don't be nervous. Be at peace, okay? God is in charge. And we're just going to declare that Jesus is Lord, okay? Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I submit my life to you. And I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. 
And by the authority of Jesus' name, I speak to every evil spirit that has any influence in my life. And I command you to come out. Go in the name of Jesus. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I'm just going to begin to pray over you. God, let the power, the anointing that breaks the yoke just fall in this place right now, Father. In the name of Jesus, let the power of the Holy Spirit fall in this place, God. Breaking every yoke, breaking every demonic influence right now. By the authority of Jesus' name, I command every unclean spirit, come out from the people now in Jesus' name. I take authority over every demon. I say, go from them now. Go from them now. Out from them now. Lift off from their lives now. In the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of oppression. Spirit of oppression, come out now in Jesus' name. Spirit of heaviness, come out in the name of Jesus. You spirit of depression, go right now. Out right now. Out right now. Out right now. In the name of Jesus, you're leaving them now. Leaving them now. Spirit of fear, come out in Jesus' name. You spirit of fear, come out. Come out. Come out. Go in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of anxiety. Come out in the name of Jesus. You spirit of anxiety leaves the people now, out from them now. In the name of Jesus, I break your influence. I command you to go, 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 out. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. We're going to stay, we're going to stay in this mode for a few more minutes. I'm going to pray through some other areas. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit's power moving in this place. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of the spirit of, of suicide. Spirit of suicide, come out in Jesus' name right now. Spirit of suicide, out from the people now. Out from the people now. Go in the name of Jesus. Leave them now in Jesus' name. I rebuke the spirit of death. Spirit of death, come out in Jesus' name. Leave the people. Go from them now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the spirit of infirmity. Spirit of infirmity, come out in the name of Jesus right now. Leave the people. Leave the people. Leave the people. Every spirit of sickness and pain, come out in the name of Jesus. Go from them now. Go from them now. By the authority of Jesus' name, I rebuke every spirit of affliction that causes sickness and pain. Out from the people now. Leave them now. In Jesus' name, I break your power. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Just stay in a posture of receiving, whatever that looks like. Don't feel like you have to keep your hands up the whole time. I know shoulders are probably getting tired. Just focus on Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Him. In the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of addiction. Come out in the name of Jesus. Spirit of addiction, go right now. Go from the people in Jesus' name. Loose your hold. I break your influence. Leave them now in Jesus' name. I break your power. I break the power of any addiction to pornography or sexual immorality. Come out in the name of Jesus. I command every unclean spirit connected to sexual immorality. Come out now. Go in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of pornography out in Jesus' name. Spirit of lust, go out in the name of Jesus. Leave the people, leave the people, leave the people. Out in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of perversion. Out, 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 out. It goes, it goes, it goes. It leaves you, it leaves you. In the name of Jesus. It goes in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. 
I want you to put your hands over your head right now. I just feel like I'm supposed to pray over the minds. Father, I pray wholeness in the mind. God, I pray right now, Lord, where there's been any damage done in the minds, God, through past experiences, Lord, through abuses, God, through trauma. I just speak over the minds. I say, be made whole in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon them right now. God, I pray even healing over the brain right now, where there's been damage done, Lord, to the brain through abuse. I speak healing over the brain right now. Be restored. Be restored in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the spirit of torment. Spirit of torment. Come out in the name of Jesus right now. Leave them now. Leave their minds. I command you to go from their minds in the name of Jesus. I break the power of every spirit that torments the mind. Lying spirit, come out in Jesus' name. Lying spirits, come out in Jesus' name. You spirit that tells them lies, come out from them. Out from them. Go in the name of Jesus. You're leaving them now. I command every spirit that came through abuse. I command every unclean spirit that came through sexual abuse. Come out in the name of Jesus. It's leaving you now. I break your power. Unbind, I unbind you from their personality, from their identity. I break your power. I break the power of the spirit of shame. It says, go in Jesus' name. Shame is leaving. Shame is leaving. Shame is leaving. I say, spirit of rejection, come out in the name of Jesus. It's leaving now. It's leaving now. It's leaving now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. How many people in this room here um, are just sensing the Lord minister to you as we're praying through this? Just lift up your hands. You're sensing even things have left you. Raise your, raise your hand if you felt like things have either lifted off or left or come out in some way. Just lift your hands up real high. Kind of wave them around a little bit. Wave them around a little bit so we can just give glory to God. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. All throughout the room. It's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We can, we can praise him more than that now. Come on now. We can praise him more than that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your freedom. Thank you for bondage is being broken tonight. Thank you for addictions being broken. Thank you for torment leaving, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for anxiety being broken. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every evil spirit that came in through the occult, that came in through witchcraft, and I say, come out in the name of Jesus right now. I break the power of the spirit of witchcraft. Come out in Jesus' name. I break the power of the spirit of divination. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of any spirit of spiritism. Come out in the name of the Lord Jesus. Every spirit connected to the occult, connected to witchcraft, connected to the new age. Come out in the name of Jesus Christ. I break your influence. I command you to go, to leave, to go from the people. In Jesus' name, we break your ties. We break your bondages. I take authority over any evil spirits connected to idolatry or false religions. Come out in the name of Jesus. Go from the people. Go from the people. Go from the people. Out in the name of Jesus. 
I thank you, Father. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Spirit, continue to move. Continue to move in this place, God. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I feel like I'm supposed to pray over you. Yes, yeah. What's your name? Jolie. Just lift your hands up, Jolie. Guys, we just stretch out your hands to Jolie. Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit just resting upon Jolie. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you are giving her beauty instead of ashes. God, you're giving her the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. I thank you, Lord. I lift off the spirit of heaviness from her life. I command that spirit of heaviness to lift off now. Out it goes right now in the name of Jesus. I break that curse right now of heaviness that has gone through your family line. I break the curse that came through trauma. I command the spirit of trauma to go, to go, to go, to go, to go, to go, to go. It leaves your cells. It leaves your body. It leaves your soul in the name of Jesus. And I declare over you that instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in your portion. I declare over you, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. I declare that rejection shall no longer be your identity. I break the spirit of rejection from having any influence in your life. And right now I speak over you that the Lord sees you. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. He restores your soul. He restores your soul. God, I thank you, Lord, for releasing your presence over Jolie, your daughter, Lord. I thank you for releasing, God, your justice on her behalf, Father, and your freedom. I thank you that the prison door is opened up, is opened up in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing in the heart, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for anointing her with your compassion, God. I thank you, Lord, that you want to anoint her, God, to bring healing to those who have had brokenness in their life, Father. Thank you for your compassion welling up in her, Father. I bless what you're doing. I bless what you're doing. I bless what you're doing in her life, God. Thank you, Lord, for freedom, Lord. Even from past relational breakdowns and situations, I cut the ties. I cut the ties that have tried to hold you back in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Again, can I just see everyone, can you just lift up your hands if you felt something, if you specifically felt something lifting off or leaving or coming out, would you lift your hands up real high? Would you wave your hands around? Would you wave your hands around? Look at that. It's amazing. Jesus is amazing. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's give him glory. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Father. Now, before I turn it over, I just want you to put your hand on your heart. We're just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us real quick, all right? We don't just want to kick things out. We want to get filled back up, all right? So put your hand on your heart and just say this. Say, Heavenly Father, 
I thank you that you've cleansed me by the blood of Jesus and set me free. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me. Let every area of my life be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let every area that was once occupied by demonic influence be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus. I'll just receive that right now for a minute. Father, just release, God, that fresh filling of your Spirit. That fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, God. Filled with your truth. Filled with your word. Filled with your love. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. we go into um, just a time of just continuing to worship uh, I just want to make it available if anyone wants to receive more prayer as we just have a time of ministering to the Lord worshiping just want to open up the altar if anyone wants to um, just receive more prayer oh it's fastened whoops it's a velcro I was wondering why it's so hard (laughs) yeah so um, as we go into this time of worship um, if anyone wants to receive more prayer more ministry you can just begin to make your way, you know, to the front. Uh, Ren, if you want to come forward too, I have a friend with me, Renda. She's on the minute. She's on. She serves with me in our ministry team for deliverance. So I'm gonna have her join. I don't know Pastor Sid and Jennifer. If you want to help pray too, I don't. Um, if you have others that want to join in, Pastor Karen. If you want to help pray as well. So yeah, as we go into this time of worship, we're also just gonna be ministering. So if you would like to receive more ministry, you can just come forward. Amen. God is good. We have a whole lot of reason tonight to just celebrate, right? Amen. So someone give a victory shout to the Lord. So make the rest of your night tonight be a celebration night, all right? So celebrate. Rejoice with the Lord. However that looks to you. If it's staying up all night shouting and dancing, then great. But whatever. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. All right? There, in deliverance, there's victory, man. Yeah. We're so grateful that the Lord sends His faithful servants to us, right? Amen. Pastor Apostle Dale has prayed for years that... that the Lord's finest would be in the pulpit. And tonight we had one of His finest, right? Amen. And so what we want to do, if you, we're going to bless Him with a love gift. And if you'd like to be a part of that, we're going to put a basket back at the door. And you can be a part of it in that way. And we'll get all of it into Pastor Jake's hands. All right? We love you. The Lord loves you. His love is real in you. So shine the light. Be the light. Be the salt. Amen? Amen. All right.
We have a time of fellowship for all our guests downstairs, so everyone's invited. There's some food down there and good things. Thank you. everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're so glad each and every one of you are here tonight. Are you, are you excited? Are you, are you expecting? Are you celebrating the victory of Jesus Christ? Yes! Glory to God! We have so much to celebrate so much to be thankful for. I'd like to encourage you in our worship time in the Word of God. You know, the book of Psalms is so rich from the heart of David, King David. He had such a heart, and God said he had a heart after me, you know, the Lord, because he loved the Lord. No matter what, his, what the day came, he loved the Lord. He said, I will exalt you, my God, O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise him to another and shall declare his mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. Do you ever do that? Just meditate on the majesty of the Lord. And on your wondrous works, men shall speak of the might of your awesome yes. acts. And I will declare your greatness and utter the memory of your great goodness. And shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. Say all. That's me. The Lord is good to me, and his tender mercies are over all his works. God's a merciful, compassionate, loving, kind father. He's faithful to you as his child. Let's all stand up together as the family of God, and let's worship him from our heart. Jesus said in, the, in John that the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit, spirit and, and in truth. truth. This is the truth. Amen. Spirit and in truth.
tonight? Are you expecting your breakthrough tonight? Are you, is your expectations up for Jesus? All that Jesus has for you tonight. Are you going to leave anything on the table tonight? Everybody say no. 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 I'm not leaving anything on the table. I want all that Jesus has for me. All of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. Let's all say that. More of Jesus. More of Jesus, less of me. Have your way in my heart tonight, Lord. We surrender, submit to your lordship, your kingship. Amen. Wow, it's going to be a great night tonight. <laughs> Woo! You yes. sense that in the spirit? Just embrace it all. Take it all. It's yours to take. The Lord wants you to have everything he wants to give you tonight. So say yes to Jesus. Say yes to him. I want all of it. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. So embrace somebody next to you. Say, I'm so glad you're here. Are you expecting from Jesus tonight that children may be dismissed? We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like never Well, good evening again to everyone. It's good to see all of you. How many are here for the very first time? We'd like to give you a special welcome. Anyone here for the first time? Over here. Welcome to CWI. We're glad you're with us tonight. You know, I just was had this impressed in my spirit, so I'm going to. Sh so maybe you're here this, and you've had a rough week. Um, I'm sure that there's one or two of us in the crowd that maybe had some things go on that was unexpected or felt weighty. And I just had this scripture that it's been ministering to me this week a lot. So in Psalms it says, "As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him." For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. And I just want to encourage you with that, that the Lord knows that you need him. And he has compassion on you. Whatever you're going through, no matter how big it is, no matter how overwhelming it may seem, he has compassion for you. And he knows that you need him. And he has everything that you need. So be encouraged with that. All right, well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. So if you need a cash envelope, you can raise your hand. If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. And I'm going to read out of Proverbs chapter 3 tonight. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. To honor means to make weighty or to put, treat something with importance or value. So this is pretty straightforward. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Are we to honor him? Is he worthy of our honor? Yes. Is he worthy of our worship? Yeah, so, yeah. So, so it's not a suggestion. It's saying 
do this, honor the Lord. Well, the Young Living uh, Translation says it like this, says, honor Jehovah from thy substance. So that's your stuff, that's your income, that's your material things. And from the beginning of all your increase. So we're giving to God first. So you're not, you know, wait until after every dime is placed everywhere else and seeing what you got left over. Oh, can we send some God's way or not? No, we give to him first from our paychecks or other increase, and we, we don't give him the leftovers, right? That's honor. And that's putting him first that with our things. You know, that requires trust. It requires trust to give God first place. And when you're looking at a lot of things going on in the natural to say, no, I'm going to honor God, like the word says, with my things, I'm going to put him first, and I'm going to rely on him. Verse 10 says, see, there's a then part. So he has an instruction on the first part, but it has a then. Well, then what? Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Isn't that awesome? That you honor the Lord, and then he honors you like that? You know, a lot of translations use the word storehouses. Anybody got storehouses in a bank account somewhere? Or maybe you've got, I don't know, but he's saying, you honor me, I honor you. And that's really his heart, because he wants to bless you. But we have to give him the access door. We've got to open the door, and that is, is to give him first place, obey his word, and then he can increase you. Amen? All right, we're going to do something different. We're going to have the ushers pass the baskets, and then we'll bring it front and pray over it after you've passed the baskets. So while they're doing that, Returning the tithe and the offerings to the Lord. I'm going to cover a few things in our bulletin. So we have the Armada Landmark Conference coming up here in two weeks. Is that not next week? It's the 21st, starting the 21st through the 25th. That's our annual week of meetings here at CWI. And I encourage you all to put it on your calendar. It's been a landmark moment for us time after time. So brochures are on the seats. If you're wondering what that is, that is the brochure for our conference. So there's only child care in the evening at the 7 p.m. session. And the way I understand it, we are looking for more volunteers. So if you can help us out in children's ministry in the evening, um, one night, two nights, whatever you're willing to um, give to Jesus. Can you see Reba? Reba's in charge. Is that right, Kelly? Or are you... It's Reba. Okay, Reba or, or Kelly Burroughs, you can talk to them about that. Also, um, some of you may know uh, what uh, the free PA meetings are. I just wanted to invite you all to the, this Thursday, the free PA meeting is going to be taking place at Loxley's the ho- at 6.30. 6.30. The doors may be open at 6.30 and starts at 7, something like that. Um, Senator Doug Mastriano is going to be there, as well as Dr. Steve Turley. Okay, so I just wanted to announce that, so if anyone's interested in coming out to that, our pastor usually opens the meetings, and it's been a real encouraging time, and I would encourage you all to come check it out. So, all right, pastor, you want to come pray over the offering? Yes. City gates tomorrow morning, so let's be in prayer that they have God encounters as they go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus on the, on the streets. All right.
You know, when we present our offering to the Lord, it's something takes place in the supernatural realm that flows over and affects the natural realm. And sometimes it does, it's just good for us to see the process, the physical representation of that process of what's happening. Because when we sow in the Spirit, we reap life everlasting of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that you, you reap salvation, like as in going to heaven salvation. That life everlasting that's referred to in Galatians is solely about one thing, and that is the divine life of God in your finances. Him, His help. His abilities, helping you in your finances. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. So I'm just going to lift this up to the Lord. So let's just believe God together. Father, we present to you our offerings, our, our, our uh, gifts, and return our tithes to you, Lord. And we thank you that you are a God of your word and that you watch over your word to perform it. So we call these finances blessed. We call them to increase mightily, that they'll bring forth a harvest and an abundance of righteousness in these people's lives, that they'll be enabled to do greater works than before. In Jesus' name, and amen. Thank you, Paul. We also have exciting news to announce. The Armada Commission Bible School. We have uh, brand new brochures. They're on the table in the back. Be sure to pick one up. And we are planning on having this school start on September 7th. It'll run through June 10th. And it is Tuesday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 12.15 p.m. And then lunch is served in that time as well. And so in the brochure, you can find the topics that are covered, the price, etc. We already have several um, that are committed to going. And so we're just believing that we're going to have a good, a powerful, a strong class coming up. So if this is something that's in your heart, pray about it. Say, Lord, is that something you want me to do? Pick it up, look at the brochure, let him talk to you, yay or nay. There is an answer, right? We don't have to be left in the dark. And um, you can find that on the table in the back. Yes, we do have a new... It's not her first time here, because she's been coming in the womb for quite a while. Baby Evelyn, right? And uh, she joins us in person tonight for the first time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 